Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Yolitix. Uh, you got Whiteley solo today because Wheeler is out for back surgery. So uh, keep him in your thoughts as he's trying to, uh, you know, roll around the house. Uh, it's going to take him a few weeks to get over this, to, to recover from it. So uh, our thoughts are with him there. I'm, I'm going to save some of the beer for him uh, until he gets back. Some housekeeping before we get going. We did an episode the other day about a woman named Marina who is outside of Kiev in Ukraine. She lives with her eight-year-old daughter. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, it really puts a, a human uh, face on the crisis that's happening in Ukraine right now. Um, I, I've been trying to get in touch with Marina ever since we recorded that podcast. I finally got a text back from her and found out over the weekend that she made it out of Ukraine. She made it to the Polish border with her eight-year-old daughter. She is safe, and she is uh, hoping to eventually get to Spain. Of course, she had to leave just with whatever they could carry, um, so she left her life, uh, possessions, and everything else back in uh, Ukraine, but they are safe, which is important. Um, wanted to note something, too. Uh, before Wheeler went under the knife for his uh, surgery that he mentioned in our last episode, uh, he did mention there's a, a big fan of ours in North Carolina, Kristen who is from North Texas. She and her friends listen to Yolitics. So a big Texas shout out uh, to you, Kristen. Thank you for listening to Yolitics. Let's dive right into our episode today. We, we were talking about who watched the State of the Union. Um, there, there were some headlines in there, but there was also something in there that President Biden said that, that really sparked this podcast. The president said he thinks that, that burn pits Burn pits. That's that's the operative phrase for this podcast today. They're giant trash piles that were created by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan and then set on fire. President Biden said he thinks that burn pits might have led to the brain cancer that killed his son, Major Bo Biden, uh, back in 2015. And as soon as we heard the president say this the other night, we thought of a Texan who is on the line with us, Leroy Torres. He spent 14 years as a state trooper here in Texas, and he spent uh, 20 plus years as a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve. Uh, hey, Leroy, how's it going, man? Th- th- for, for our viewers who, who can't, for our listeners, rather, who can't see uh, the, the Zoom call I'm on with, with Leroy here, Leroy is, uh, you know, dressed up, ready to go, but he also has uh, oxygen in his nose, an oxygen tube uh, going to his nose. So, Leroy, we told your story in 2019. Um, you, you were a healthy guy. You you went to uh, a deployment in Balad, Iraq in, in 2007, and you came back with a toxic brain injury uh, and constrictive bronchiolitis. How in the world did you get that in war? Uh, Jason, good morning, and thanks for having me on this morning. You know, the, uh, the uh, constricted bronchiolitis and the toxic brain injury, this is something that was uh, discovered years after I returned from, from deployment from uh, 2007, 2008. Uh, back in 2010, uh, I was uh, going through uh, uh, just a, a value of sickness, uh, missing a lot of work. And uh, August of 2010, the Department of Public Safety decided to, to send me home one morning because I was missing too much work and they thought maybe I was contagious. And uh, this is what led on the journey to, to seek answers in specialized healthcare uh, to see what was wrong with me uh, while I was having uh, the shortness of breath, while I was having these debilitating headaches. I was going to the, to, the, to, the, to the doctor, emergency room for, you know, having to get Z-packs or frequent uh, upper respiratory infections. Uh, until thankfully in 2010, 
uh, meeting with Dr. Uh, Robert Miller from Vanderbilt University, uh, through a lung biopsy was discovered that I had a, uh, a lung injury, which is known as constrictive bronchiolitis with, with fibrosis. And that was what led to the, uh, the first challenge that I now I'm dealing with uh, today. And so you got back from that deployment in 2008 and you started having these issues. You didn't have these issues before you left, right? No, no, I wasn't. I was in perfect health. I mean, I was an avid runner. I, I never missed work. I mean, I was just, uh, I could, I, I could tell you just in the, the best shape, the best shape ever that I, you know, following my, uh, my training with the department in the military, uh, I was in the best health ever before I deployed to Iraq. And I want to ask you about what President Biden said the other night, um, talking about these burn pits. I didn't I didn't I never thought about this until you and I first met back in 2019 and kind of looked into it. Uh, The the military, when it goes into a a place like Iraq or Afghanistan, it has a trash problem because the military, like everything else, creates waste, but doesn't have a good way to destroy it. And the way that it had been doing this for the longest time is something called burn pits where it essentially throws everything that is done with into a, a giant pit that, that's, that's what carved out by a bulldozer and then puts what diesel or kerosene on and, 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 and torches it. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, for example, where I was uh, stationed in Balad, uh, Iraq, it was, the, it was known for the largest burn pit in theater in Iraq. It was approximately uh, 10 acres in, in diameter. So you name it from uh, medical waste, the body parts, the equipment, electronics, plastics, styrofoam. It was throwing the trash. It was it was uh, doused with JPA fuel and lit on fire. And a lot of this happened at night, so you can't really see the from the smoke. Yeah, and, and the sm- yeah the smoke is the issue because the the smoke would just waft right over the the uh, the, the, the base wherever you guys were and. And, you know, you have soldiers who are, are sleeping at night or whenever this is, they're trying to operate there. Um, when we first talked, you were, you were mentioning that, that there were plastics, tires, batteries, broken rifles, human waste, uh, unspent ammo, uh, old engine parts, everything in the world that the military didn't need anymore. They just set ablaze. And in, in our original story back in 19, we, we talked to a few doctors and they said, you know, obviously this black smoke you know it has horrible stuff in it, but it has carcinogens in it, vaporized metals, et cetera, and you inhaled all that. Do you think that is what led your toxic brain injury to your memory issues, to your uh, constrictive bronchiolitis? Absolutely, yes. Uh, especially uh, after following the, uh, the lung biopsy in 2010, and to, to add to that, the, uh, the Army Reserve did a, a line of duty investigation uh, before they decided to medically retire me in 2010. It started around early 2012 and 2013. I was medically retired, but the army did uh, did find that uh, due to an uh, instrumentality of war, that's what was what caused my uh, my lung injury. And not until 10 years later, they discovered my my brain injury. So here for for years, I was misdiagnosed. <laughs> you know that there were migraines and uh, and before the lung biopsy, asthma. But uh, and as you can mention earlier, that uh, I. I I was uh, battling COVID. Uh, I was in the hospital initially early January for, for for another GI issue, then I ended up getting COVID. So ever since then, I've been struggling with the lung issue, and that's why I had to. You know, I've been on oxygen for a number of years now, which helps my uh, my toxic brain injury. But now, lady, my lungs have been challenged even more following COVID. 
I didn't realize you had COVID. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Uh, that, that makes sense why you're, you're wearing the, the tube there, too. Um, here, here's what I want to I want to point out. I want to get to the VA here in just a moment, Leroy, but you're not the only one with this. Tens of thousands of veterans have returned home with these issues or they have developed rare cancers like the one the president spoke about the other night that his son, Bo Biden, had. Uh, and what's worse is that hundreds, maybe thousands of, of uh, these veterans who went overseas in great shape and often came back in great shape. A lot of them have died because of what they inhaled over there. You, you started a nonprofit here in Texas called Burn Pits 360. It's a registry that keeps track of uh, other veterans like you. How, any idea in Texas alone, Leroy, how many um, vets here in this state have had problems from burn pit exposure like you? According to the uh, the VA registry that was uh, published here the uh, last quarter of 2021, there was over 31,000 veterans that that actually took the time to register and know of the registry. That's just those that, that know of and that have registered. That's 31,000. Uh, on and it's it's just and there's over 260,000 that were registered at the end of uh, of 2021. So that's and the third, a, a tremendous number. Yeah, the 31,000 just in Texas alone, is that right? Wow. Now, now here's the worst part of this. It, it, it's taken us a couple of minutes to, to get to this part, but here's the worst part of this whole thing. Veterans are dying, as we mentioned, or, or they're facing these exorbitant medical bills um, like you have had to pay because the VA hasn't recognized this um, as, as a, a line of duty type of, uh, of an injury. Um, and even worse, the VA is considering these cases case by case. And when you have 31,000 Leroy Torres is in Texas alone, uh, you, you know what's happening here. Folks are getting caught up in the bureaucracy, I guess, right, Leroy? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, you you uh, pretty much become your, of course, your own advocate, your own uh, uh, attorney, and just trying to, to do the, the, the legwork. Uh, just like, for example, with my case back in 2010, I mean, it was, uh, went through a lot of red tape just to see, to get my, uh, my uh, compensation finally approved. But thankfully, the Army did that line of duty investigation, which uh, tremendously helped my VA case. But I feel for these vets that that's all they uh, depend on is, is VA care. At that time, I still had uh, private insurance through uh, my state police agency plus uh, the Army Reserve. So I was fortunate enough that I was able to to have the lung biopsy uh, done in uh, Vanderbilt University and also the, uh, the Q-Spec scan for my brain injury in Colorado. But if it had not been that I had insurance, you know, I'm like, not telling where I'd be right now. And, and you've been your own advocate for this. And there have been people, I believe you and I talked about, that have not had the ability to pay for, for this and have not had good outcomes, obviously. How much do you think that you have spent uh, out of pocket on this until the VA finally picked it up. Oh my goodness, we they exhausted our life savings. So I'd say we spent uh, about thirty-five thousand, maybe forty thousand out of pocket since we uh, were forced to to go on a journey seeking for specialized healthcare. Wow. And, and here's a question I, I had before, and the question I pose to lawmakers every time this issue comes up is. Why doesn't the VA just admit there's a problem here and treat these veterans? What's the problem with that? The, the problem that I see, Jason, and it's you know, and it's just almost a, it's just a, a, a simple remedy, but it's it's the cost. It's the the, the cost of war. 
um, as I was uh, talking to someone, if you know what, it's like we we we, we get sent to war. And I, I showed this example. You know, I they gave me 30 days the reservists to prepare for deployment. You know, I honored my oath, and I left 30 within 30 days. I was in Iraq, and here, 13 years later, I'm still struggling to to get compensation or specialized healthcare. But it's it's about the cost. It's about the cost. And is the cost just the fact that that the the Congress doesn't or Congress or VA or whomever doesn't want to set set aside that much money to to treat these chronic issues that that you guys are coming back with? When they they talk about the number that possibly affected of 3.5 million veterans, that uh, is a uh, puts tremendous pressure. I I believe, in my opinion, tremendous pressure on 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 Congress because. I mean, where's that money going to come from? How are they going to allocate the money? But I figured if they have enough funding to, to send us to war, that there should be enough funding to care for us when we return from war, from deployment. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, there has there have been really incremental steps on this, and it's taken it's taken years to to get anything done. We're, we're still not we're still not done with it. Um, President Biden he signed a bill. Uh, excuse me, let me back up seven eight years here. President Obama signed a bill into law to create a, a list of veterans with exposure, a registry, kind of like you've done on the state level. President Trump signed a bill into law that would actually end burn pits, finally. Um, and, and now President Biden says he thinks that burn pits might have led to his son uh, Bo's death. And, and just after the State of the Union, 48 hours after it, the House of Representatives passed another bill that will now provide millions of veterans with expedited health care and disability payments related to all this. What else needs to be done, Leroy? Well, the, the House passed the, the uh, Honoring Our PAC Act. And now, it, you know, as we prepare to go to the Senate, it is to, is to, to influence the, the, uh, the Senate side. And, and just to, something that I was sharing with, with, with a group of vets of advocates, like we need to, to share our, our personal journey, our personal stories, to see if this will have a, number one, is a, a change of heart, but just change the, the path where we're headed to because it is, yes, it is gonna be costly, but but uh, you can't compare it to the cost of life. You know, that, that is that is our right uh, to us for life that if we uh, return back with, uh, with a condition that we need specialized healthcare, that they shouldn't put a price tag on that for what our life is worth. You know, and I see that that now that the president uh, Biden, as, as and as I heard him, you know when, when he talked about Brumpets, I mean it definitely brought uh, much joy. But I know that there's still a lot of work ahead. But as as one um, a local representative told me, he couldn't sign a blank check when I went and talked to him to see if he would support the bill and support my SCOTUS issue. He couldn't sign a blank check, and that was that was painful for me to swallow that because I I signed two blank checks, one for this state, and one for this nation. And I would expect the same in return, but this is why we continue to push push hard on the issue. And, and tell me more about that. You had a, a member of Congress that you went to see, and you told him your issue. You laid out your history here, and that member of Congress said that that he couldn't sign a blank check to to take care of people of, of veterans like you who who gave up your life for the country. That's that's correct, and you know, and I'm not one to to uh, the name call and just. But uh, I went to see our, our, our local rep here in, in, in our district, District 27, and uh, it was uh, it was you know shameful and very disappointing to hear the response in regards to, to the uh, the presumptive bill 
and to, to see if even he would also uh, support a, a, a letter that a few members of Congress uh, wrote on, on my behalf for, for my SCOTUS cases as well. What, what was your reaction when that member of Congress said that to you? It was very, uh, very frustrating, you know, and and I'm a, a very uh, just level-headed, not, not temperamental, and I. But that was, I tell you what, I, I afterwards I, I told my wife, man, I was I was in tears. I was just upset and just I was just more hurt because you know he had he had even visit, uh, came to visit during this campaign. He came to see us at our at our headquarters, and uh, and then to see that he wouldn't even support, not even support the issue. I would be even if he supported the bill, but not even my SCOTUS issue. That that was very, uh, it was heart wrenching, you know, to see that at times we were made promises. People tell us things, and, and uh, they don't fulfill it, and that's that's very painful. But I'm not going to let that that stop me in our work that we're we're going to continue to lead and to push for change. Yeah, and you are a very level headed guy, and you don't you don't dive into politics because uh, that that shouldn't be impacted here. But I, I believe that that congressman is uh, congressman uh, congressman Cloud. Is that right? Uh, uh, Michael Cloud is he represents you in Congress. Uh, correct. Okay. Well, well, let me ask you about this. So this passed the House. It was it was bipartisan passage, um, and now it goes to the Senate next before a bill would end up on the uh, president's desk. But it's going to the Senate, and money is once again coming to the top of the uh, of the issue here. And there are a number of senators who say that three hundred billion dollars. Uh, which this health care could cost to treat veterans like you, uh, the, the, there might not be an appetite in the Senate to to pass something like that. What do you think when you hear that? I, you know, I, I think it's a it's a uh, just a punch below the gut. You know, it's um, it's something that 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 should be uh, covered for us for for those that that come back with these issues from war and it should not be an issue about money well, for our care. If, if they, like I mentioned earlier, and if they can send us to war and at times it's, you know, these credit wars where they, they, they we get sent and spend trillions of dollars, but the, it's, it's the, the aftermath for us to, to, to be cared for. That, that's, uh, I definitely see a problem with that. And it, sh- it should be um, something that it, it's not an issue for someone that's, that's risked their life you know, at the, at, and we, I mean, it's like I said, signing a blank check is we, we don't know. My fear was, you know, coming back without a limb or, or being shot at, but n- never did it cross my mind that I'd be uh, facing a, an issue from an invisible enemy, which makes it, makes it harder to comprehend at times because people see me and say, you look normal, you look fine, but it's, it's my, my internal system that's been compromised, but definitely an issue, but it's about the cost. And Sam, to make sure that we point this out to our listeners, uh, uh, have have there been veterans who have died because they could not get health care for their burn pit exposure, Leroy? Yes, yes, some have died. They they they've died, and, and some have given up. You know, they've given up. You know, some have taken their life. You know, and it's it's unfortunate. Um, in twenty fourteen, I lost my sergeant major. You know, and uh, he battled six months hard cancer. And I know it was exposure. He, he, he left a lot. Uh, he was leaving when I was arriving. I was a replacement. And we actually ended up stationed back together in my, my last unit where I was company commander. But I, I know it was burn pit exposure. And he fought, he fought tooth and nail. But, you know, he, the, his cancer just took over his body. And he only lasted six months. And this, this, that's just one example. And 
before we bring your attorney in on this, because there's a whole other uh, avenue here we haven't we haven't talked about that's a pretty big deal, and it's going to be happening this month at the Supreme Court. Um, I, I want to ask you one other question here, too. Veterans still have to prove their illnesses were related to burn pits from this toxic smoke uh, wafting over these, these bases. The burden remains on the veterans. Um, if you could walk into the White House today, sign an executive order, what would it be, Leroy? The... What we were asking with without hesitation is, is to sign the the honoring our pact act the presumptive bill that that covers uh 23 conditions right off the bat that are that veterans are struggling with most which is from cancer the lung issues the 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 the, the, the brain cancer and so forth that would be the bill that i would absolutely push for for signature so we can get these veterans these veterans that are, have been waiting for years for, for specialized health care. So, so this bill would, would essentially make the VA recognize or designate 23 respiratory illnesses and cancers as likely linked to the toxic exposures uh, from these burn pits. Is, is this bill, though, the Honoring Our Pact Act? Is this the end-all, be-all? Is this the, the, the finally the answer? That's what we're pushing for, yes. The H.R. 3967, it would uh, actually from disability compensation to death benefits paid to spouses and children, healthcare for other toxic exposures as well. So this is the, the one bill that, because uh, there's there's another one on the Senate side, uh, the Healthcare for Burn Pit Veterans Act, but you know, that has some VA discretion issues and it does not provide this compensation or death benefits. And speaking of death benefits, that's another uh, area that the, the VA registry is not tracking. They're not tracking mortality rate. But our registry, we are tracking mortality rate. Wow. Um, Leroy, stand by just a minute. I want to bring in Brian Lawler. He's your attorney. He's a retired Marine Corps officer. Um, and, and I want to bring Brian in here because y- there's a, a legal case uh, around your story here, too. And that legal case is going to the Supreme Court uh, in D.C. Uh, later this month on March 29th. Uh, and and to, to set this up. Brian, you can go ahead and come off mute here as I set this up. When Leroy got back from Iraq, he mentioned his headaches and breathing problems. And and it meant that he couldn't chase bad guys as a state trooper here in Texas. He asked to be reassigned. DPS said, no, we can't do that. The state of Texas then told Leroy, all right, look, you have an option. Report for duty or be fired. Uh, Leroy decided to resign instead. But... He filed a lawsuit saying this isn't right. There's a federal law out there. It's called USERA, the Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act, and it makes it illegal for employers to discriminate on the basis of military service. So, Brian, thanks for being on Yolitics here with us. Here's my, my first question is, well, if, if there's already a law protecting him, why in the world do you have to go to court over it? Hey, good morning, Jason. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on the show. Um, that's, that's a great question. There's a federal statute that protects service members from all sorts of um, denials of, of, of benefits uh, that their civilian employers have to have to give them, have to provide them. Uh, one of them is the right to, to return to a job that they had before they left military service. And, and if for some reason, uh, like in Leroy's case, they were, they were injured or suffered some other uh, ailment uh, during the course of their military service, then the employer needs to make a reasonable accommodation to continue to keep that person employed. Uh, and that's that's the crux of the issue uh, in Leroy's case. They did not do that. Texas Department of Public Safety didn't do that. And that's why we filed the lawsuit. 
And in December, the Supreme Court of the United States decided to uh, to hear Leroy's case. It's going to be heard on, on the 29th of March later this month. And the crux of the argument is that Texas says it cannot be sued in state court over a federal statute. Is that right? That is exactly the issue. Texas is not alone. There are several states that, that are asserting that same position. Um, and we've um, asked the Supreme Court to to overturn that. So um, at the trial court level in Corpus Christi, uh, the judge agreed with us that Texas uh, was amenable to suit under this statute. Um, an appellate court, uh, a divided appellate court in a two to one opinion, uh, reversed the trial court and said, no, actually Texas is immune. Um, the Texas Supreme Court passed on the issue. They, they elected not to hear it. So we uh, asserted our right and took it to the Supreme Court of the United States. And they decided they did want to hear it. And lay out what's at stake here, because if if you and Leroy win this case, this could have some far reaching implications. Yeah, that's correct. So as a, a the first matter is, is Leroy's case. If, if the Supreme Court agrees with us and reverses the Texas appellate court, well, Leroy and I have to go try his case, ideally successfully try his case and, and uh, in, in corpus at some at some point. Um, if we are successful, the broader reaching effect will be uh, tens of thousands, potentially tens of thousands of service members will then have the right to sue their their employers and their state employers. So if they're employed by a state agency, that's that's the only issue before the Supreme Court right now. Um, local uh, municipalities, counties, uh, and private employers are subject to suit in federal court. There's no question about that. This issue solely relates to state employers being sued in their state courts under a federal statute. And essentially what the states are saying is, uh, unless we've waived our sovereign immunity, Congress didn't have the right to take it away from us. That's that's the argument. And for someone like me who did not go to law school, Brian, um, why don't you just, why didn't you guys originally just sue in federal court when you knew that the federal law would be applicable? You cannot sue a state in federal court. Private, a private person can't sue a state in federal court. The 11th Amendment uh, to the Constitution prohibits that. And so Congress recognized that when they enacted USERRA in uh, 1994 and then in an amendment in 2008, um, 2001 first and then 2008 again, said, hey, look, we, we get that. So the remedy is we're going to write into the statute. If you are a private citizen employed by a state agency, the remedy is to sue that state agency in state court. That Congress wrote that. Some states disagree with that and essentially asserted the position that Congress didn't have the right to say that and didn't have the right to abrogate their, their sovereignty. That is the sole issue before the Supreme Court right now. How many Leroy's do you think this would affect? Uh, he was a state trooper with DPS. There, I'm sure there are firefighters. There are other members of, of governments all across, um, all across the country. How many do you think are out there? We think it's potentially tens of thousands. The Reserve Organization of America, the, the largest lobby group, national lobby group, um, on behalf of, of veterans and actively serving Reserve and Guard personnel, um, we estimate that that it's tens of thousands of uh, service members who are employed by state agencies. I personally have four cases uh, that are now all stayed pending the resolution of uh, Leroy's case. One in California, another one in Texas, coincidentally, also against the Department of Public Safety, and then one in uh, Missouri. And all three of those states, in addition to several others, 
have said the same thing that no we're not we're not amenable to suit under this statute and go to court and prove that we are so that's what we're doing so we're asking the supreme court to essentially level the playing field so there are there are several states that have waived their sovereign immunity under usera there are several states that have invoked it and then there are 38 40 ish um that are silent on the issue well we're asking the supreme court to put that argument to, to bed and say unequivocally if you are an aggrieved service member uh, employed by a state agency, you have the right to sue that state agency in state court. And if uh, if you get beyond the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court rules in your favor, like you mentioned, then it has to go back to Nueces County, to Corpus Christi, where the actual trial will happen and, and lay out what's at stake here. You guys are suing for five million dollars, saying he should never he should have been reassigned. He shouldn't have been fired over this or or forced to resign. Yeah, the, the the number is the number is simply a requirement in the state of Texas to to put a number in the lawsuit. What what will eventually come of this is up to the judge or the jury what what they choose to um, award Leroy if we are successful. But yes, if we prevail at the Supreme Court on March 29th, then um, Leroy and I have to go down to Corpus and, and, and try his case. So this is a it's it's a hurdle. It's not a finish line for Leroy. It's a finish line for any other. Um, state employee who now, again, if we're successful, would have the right to sue his or her um, state employer. Leroy's case, we have to go, we already have a case pending, so we have to now go to Corpus Christi and prove it. Um, we still have to prove it, so that, yeah, this is, it's not done yet if, we, if we're successful. Yeah, and, and for the folks who, who might not know how this process works, it's not like a TV show. The legal process is long and drawn out, as Leroy will happily tell you, and Brian will tell you as well, too. But the Supreme Court's not going to throw down a gavel on the 29th after you guys present arguments. You're still going to have to wait a while on this, uh, at least through uh, early summer, right? Oh, I would think it's, yeah, we're, we're at least early summer. We're, we're hopeful that um, we will get an opinion from the Supreme Court before they recess in June. And uh, they will, what's called, remand it back down to Nueces County. And what the timeline looks like there is anybody's guess. I, I, I don't even have an educated guess. My guess, I'm thinking it will be months. Um, maybe we'll have a trial next summer, so the summer of 2023, but that'd be the I think that's the earliest we could we could hope for, um, because there's been no there's been no pretrial discovery or uh-huh. motion work in this case. We we filed the lawsuit in May of 2017. Immediately, the state of Texas uh, sought to have it dis- dismissed, and and that's the legal posturing that, that we're at now. We haven't done any pretrial work, so yeah, wow. it probably gonna be 12 to 18 months once we do get remanded back to Oasis County. So. Uh, like I said, May, May of 17, we're looking at you know, summer of 23, I think, at best, before we have a resolution of Leroy's case. Well, wow, that's incredible. Just six years for that. Leroy, let me bring you back into the conversation here. It's been 14 years since you came back from Iraq. Um, you've, you've been gone uh, from DPS for a number of years as well, too. What is life like for you um, uh, around there near Corpus Christi? Because you're, you're wearing the oxygen what can you do? What can you not do, man? Uh, you know, uh, litigation, my, uh, you know, following COVID has been a, a much bigger challenge with my health. But, uh, you know, I've had days where, you know, I'm, I'm out for three days when I have at least debilitating headaches at, at times. I mean, I had one where it knocked me out for eight days. You know, I I, I couldn't just uh, just get out of bed. It was in, in so much pain. And it's been the longest that I've had to go. That's just one example. And then with the toxic uh, brain injury. But now 
I'm dealing with other secondary issues that I've been struggling with, with here for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the, as one uh, one of the uh, specialists said, I'm dealing with an autoimmune condition. Might be like a some, certain type of mixed connective tissue disease. So it's those issues that I, I struggle with, from uh, inflammatory issues, the, the chronic pain issue that I deal with. But, but lately here, my uh, the uh, the respiratory issue has been really uh, a, a challenge. But as I uh, just looking back in 2019, when I spoke with you up in the Dallas area, and I was re- receiving that treatment from Dr. Johnson. I mean, God bless Dr. Johnson for covering those those uh, hyperbaric treatment chambers was really helping me. But then again, it was one thing that was not covered by the VA so that I was having to travel to uh, the Dallas area just to receive hyperbaric chamber treatment. But it was it was helping me. And uh, my uh, I just went to see a neurologist here three days ago and he just uh, prescribed me a medication. It's a type of injection as a rescue med whenever I get these, these headaches. Uh, the severity of it, uh, now I have this injection that I can use as a rescue med, but he also prescribed uh, hyperbaric chamber treatment again with oxygen. But now it's just finding that type of treatment. Who covers it? Here in Corpus Christi, they only, it's only for open wound care. You know, uh, San Antonio, uh, Medical Center, they cover it for uh, traumatic brain injury. And that's where the, 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 uh, the, this, the battle continues in trying to seek that. Who can offer that specialized health care if, if other, other specialists are offering it? But then why not just <laughs> be able to offer it to us here locally? That's been the, the challenge that I've been dealing with here lately. And our listener might be able to determine this just listening to Leroy here, but but Leroy is is not somebody who who is uh, who holds grudges on this, and that's that's surprising to me. I ask you the same question I'm going to ask you next. I uh, asked you this three years ago, Leroy, and that is whether you're you're upset, you're angry, you're mad about this. Um, and three years ago, you told me no, you weren't. That you were fine. You you would you would have done you know done your service and your deployment all over again if possible. How in the world, I'd be pretty ticked off, I mean, honestly, and, and you have a good spirit about you, man. You know, uh, Jason, and going back to 2019, I remember uh, closing the, if I recall correctly, closing the, uh, the interview, you know, I said, I, I, I keep the faith. And that's what I've done here for the last couple of years. That's what keeps me going. But it's that patriotism that's instilled, I, you know, at a young age where my dad, uh, my dad served, he was drafted in the Korean War. And uh, I know that it's something that just starts from early, early life. You know that I said that I wanted to, to serve my country, and I do it all over again because I'm not going to sit here and blame the oh it was the army's fault. It was just where big government just made a decision, a reckless decision, and it was the issue of negligence where they should have just you know disposed of the trash otherwise instead of just burning it. But uh, my my son is still serving. My son has been active duty for five years now. And, and I support him, and I have other family members that have reached out. What he, you know, they're interested in joining, and I, you know, I, I support them because it's something that is just that in my personal, my life and experience, something that was instilled at a young age, and I continue to to have that patriotism that keeps me going. There's times when I I, I do wake up and I'm uh, my health is a challenge, but you know I believe it's good Lord gives me life that I'm going to continue to to push. Not only for myself, but also advocate for, for the thousands that have been affected. And uh, as I made a uh, promise to my sergeant major that passed in 2014, but he told me his last words to me over the phone. He said, sir, don't give up in this fight because you're going to be our voice when we're no longer here. 
but it's those the, that encouragement, those reminders that keeps me going in this uh, in this battle. Yeah, and and Leroy, it, it's it's important to note here when, when we talk to a lot of different folks in, in our jobs, but when I first talked to you, you had not yet been successful in in, in getting people's attention. You had been you had been you know, raising alarm bells, you've been doing all types of things. Um, <clears throat> since then, a lot of stuff's happening. You were on John Stewart's show when he came back. I, I love seeing you on there. When I saw you on there, um, I was telling my wife, saying, hey, I know that guy. I know Leroy here. Uh, you, you were on there. You, you've been really raising the flag on this. The Honoring Our Pact Act uh, it just passed the House of Representatives the Senate has its own piece of legislation. The issue is how much Congress is going to set aside to actually pay for this. I hope it's the $300 billion needed, but at the end of the day, someone's finally listening, and that's because of veterans like you. Um, we just heard from Brian there, too, about, this, about your personal case that could have far-reaching implications for many others, and that's going before the Supreme Court at the end of the month. So, you know, the, the, the promise you made your sergeant major there about continuing the fight, you, you, you have really continued the fight since all this began in 2008. So I, I salute you for that. And uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Thank you, Jason. Thank you again. Thank, thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for being here as well, too. And uh, I, I know we'll stay in touch as this thing uh, continues its way through Congress, continues its way through the courts, too. Thanks so much, guys. Great. Thank you so much, Jason. Take care. Take care.